Keith just sent me a note that said, make sure you turn your microphone on. Well, I, I didn't even put it on, so that would make it harder, wouldn't it? Thank you to our three choir members today, and we want to also especially recognize that our most able and talented music director, Debbie Briding, is with us this week. Woo, woo. Um, as you know, last week, Debbie was waiting for her husband, who was in the emergency room. And so um, Alan filled in, and he did a good job. But I said to Jane, our secretary, I said, watching me watching Alan play the piano was kind of like it would have been for her to watch somebody two-finger typing. Because he kind of, I don't know how you play, but yeah, you do this. So um, very interesting, but we thank you, Alan, for filling in and... Yeah, he did the organ too. And we're, Debbie, we're glad you're back and glad that everything seems to be good with Steve. So welcome back. We are, remember, studying the family of Abraham this summer. Um, so I'll read from the Genesis text in just a moment, but I want you to be able to hear the gospel text. So in the 10th chapter of Matthew today, we hear what might be a familiar story to you. 
Jesus is speaking. He says, a disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, but the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have, come to br- I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross And follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And then we go to Genesis, the 21st chapter. No, not the 21st chapter, the 22nd chapter. It's a misprint, so if you want to go to black, Keith, I'll get it here. It's okay that we do it this way. Genesis, the 26th chapter. The Akeda of Isaac sometimes called the binding of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac. Hear this word from the 22nd chapter of Genesis. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut wood for the burnt offering. 
And he set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Well, then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. And when they came to that place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar atop the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took a knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And the angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the heavens and the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. And then the text goes on just a little bit farther in verse 23. Sarah lived 127 years. This was the length of Sarah's life. And Sarah died in Hebron, in the land of Canaan, 
And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God. This is one of those times when your pastor turns from pleasant platitude giver to truth teller. This is a horrible text. Distinctly remember my Old Testament professor telling us that if you read this text to a child, shame on you, because the first thing the kid is going to think is, I am never going to the park with my dad again. It's an awful tale. It's a story of a father trying to kill his son. There is sometimes a debate among biblical scholars about certain texts in the Bible. Are some of them so awful that they offer no redemption whatsoever and therefore we need to just pass them by? And is this one of those texts? Well, remember from last week that we talked about Ishmael. Ishmael, of course, is Abraham's oldest son, older son, excuse me. My mother's listening. She was an English teacher. The older son, and there's a whole story about how Sarah, Abraham's wife, gets upset because she sees Ishmael acting like the younger son, her son, Isaac, And Sarah takes great lengths and fusses and fights and fumes and argues to get Ishmael and his mother, the handmaid, the servant, Hagar, thrown out of the house so that she does not have to worry about her only son losing inheritance to Ishmael. If you were listening last week, you know that my point in talking about that story was as Hagar and Ishmael are in the desert and about to die, she cries out to the Lord and the boy cries out in his suffering and God hears Ishmael and provides a well for them so that they have water and may live. God has promised Abraham that Ishmael will also be a great nation. But he must live in order for that to happen. And so through God's promises, God makes provisions to make sure those promises can happen. And today's story is no different. Now, but it's odd. 
The Lord says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go and bind him and sacrifice him. Now, that's our first clue that something's wrong here because Isaac is not Abraham's only son. Ishmael exists. There are two Abrahamic boys. And it's important that we remember this because the whole story of Ishmael and Isaac is in the Bible to explain why the Jews and the Arabs don't get along. They started out as brothers who fought with one another. Isaac, take your son, your only son, Abraham. Take Isaac. Doesn't make sense for Abraham. Isaac is not Abraham's only son. He's Sarah's only son. Where is Sarah in this text? Now, I will grant to you that the message is the same as last week if you read that God has made great promises to Abraham and Isaac that Isaac will be part of the great nation. Hallelujah. And in the midst of the offer of the sacrifice, God provides to make sure that the promise can happen because the ram is seen in the thicket just as the well was seen in the desert with Hagar and Ishmael. But in the Hagar and Ishmael story, God hears the cries of the mother for her son. Where the heck is Sarah? There is a mother in this room who would let the kind of harm come to her child that Abraham intends to do to Isaac without putting up a good fight. And some of you are saying, yeah, but we know, Pastor, we know this past, this story. This story is the precursor. It foreshadows what God did with Jesus on the cross. This is what it's telling us. It's telling us we have to be obedient like Jesus was going to the cross. Well, really? Because ultimately, the sacrifice here didn't happen. If there was really a parallel between this story and the story of Jesus on the cross, the sacrifice would have had to take place. Think about how useless the story of Jesus on a cross is if somebody let him down. If Jesus just walked off the cross and walked away that day, his sacrifice would have meant nothing at all. There's got to be something else going on in this story than what we have traditionally understood. And part of it is this. 
And here's the part people miss, because we end the story with where Abraham lived. Where did Abraham live? In Beersheba. Means nothing to any of us until you look at it on a map. Beersheba is down south of Jerusalem. And where did Sarah live? In Hebron. Hebron is 8 to 10 miles north of Beersheba. After the attempted sacrifice of Isaac, Abraham and Sarah never lived together again. Where is Sarah in this story? She's ticked off enough that she moves out of Abraham's house and finds her own place to live. And I was telling Bob Willits and Jane this this week, and they were all like, wow, we didn't know that. That's amazing. Nobody knows that part of the story. Well, here's the second part of the story that nobody knows. Isaac never lived in Bathsheba either. He went and lived with his mother. And how do I know that? Because finally, and you'll hear it next week, when he gets a wife, it says he brought his wife into his mother's tent. Sarah's voice is heard all throughout the 21st chapter of Genesis. And in the 22nd chapter, when her only son is about to be sacrificed, she says and does nothing But she's there. She's there. Because she's the one who attempts to fix it for her boy. She brings him into her tent, and they live together so that he might heal from the awfulness of an attempted sacrifice from his father. Now, none of you have ever heard this interpretation probably before. It's, I didn't make it up. It's out there, but it's interesting to me. The question is, though, what do we do with it? And here's what I think about that. Sarah, even though she is silent throughout this part of the text, does what she needs to do to protect the people that need to be protected. We live in a lousy world. People live in poverty, people are abused, people are ill, people are fighting in the streets, people feel they are unjustly treated. Sarah doesn't go out in protest, she doesn't 
throw a fit. She doesn't start a fire. She doesn't tear down a statue. She doesn't do anything at all but take in the one who needs her comfort. Later in the 24th chapter, when Isaac does finally get a wife, it says he brings her into his mother's tent where he continues to be comforted. Mother and wife care for Isaac and thus carry out the promises of God. Perhaps that's our lesson today. Thanks be to God. Amen.